Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Seat Struck Movie Podcast. It is a Sunday again. It is the 25th of February, and I'm your co-host, Curtis, and I'm here today with my co-host, Simon. Hey. And John. Hey, hello. And we're kicking off the Ridley Scott series again with uh, 2010's Robin Hood, two starring Russell Crowe back in the Ridley Scott uh, throne again. Like the same guy he always plays, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Less of a himbo this time, so that's good. Uh, <laughs> but before we uh, talk about the film, we like to talk about what we watched this week and the news of the week that we have. Uh, we were away last week, so we do have lots of news. Um, so, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, John, what did you watch this week? Uh, well, th- this week, um, I- I've watched a bunch of stuff over the last couple of weeks since we last chatted, but I, I think I- I- for the purposes of this, I'll keep it uh, combed down to just the the kind of notable ones I watched. Well, the-, the first one is for the first time I actually watched Goodfellas in full. My last <laughs> time watching it was uh, on a treadmill at the gym in closed captioning, which, you know, for a, for a Scorsese <laughs> film cuts all the music out. So all the subtitle, like in all the closed captioning, it's like this song is playing, this song is playing. Uh, so I had to use my imagination watching it last time. But uh, yeah, I finally watched it in full. Obviously a great movie. Although I will say, um, if I'd watched this when I was like 11 or 12 years old, um, blind, I probably would have, this would be like my favorite movie. But alas, <laughs> I've seen the, I've seen The Sopranos like five or 10 times. So it didn't hit as hard because it's kind of following the same beat that that well, series would kind of pick up on it's so. interesting when you watch that when you're like a teenager too because i found like that one in casino like especially in high school there were a lot of guys like emulating it and like romanticizing it. and i was like guys you're you didn't get the point of the movie <laughs> yeah yeah that's always been the kind of critic criticism around scorsese is that like he makes these films about like you know troubled men and they're very they're very critical towards them but they at the same time they do celebrate them and like portray how great it is so there's always that kind of duality as you said where you get yeah. people who take it totally earnestly and people who see the kind of subtext of you know this being a criticism of of masculinity of a particular time in America and, and all that stuff, um, and and of course Goodfellas is no exception there with a with a great performance as Henry Hill Ray Liotta. I mean, Melfi. so good. Uh, what I really loved about the movie too, and I and and something that I don't know if people pick up on now when they come back to it or, or watch it for for the first time is I, I love how he actually ages all the characters throughout the movie and it it felt actually quite realistic like like say for example de niro like there's the scene where he's like oh yeah he was like 20 26 years old and and who is clearly not 26 years old at the time he was like <laughs> late 40s um but you kind of believe it like he has like the slick back hair the smooth skin and then like later in the film how they age him is they just like his hair stop they stop dying or maybe they do dye his hair gray but uh, his hair's gray and then he's got glasses on and it kind of works like even his physical acting he seems a little bit older and you know, especially with uh, Hill and and Karen, they're all coked out. They're all just manic, and the hairs everywhere. Um, but yeah, great. Obviously, some of the best needle drops ever. Uh, the the set design, the costuming is immaculate, and I know Scorsese's kind of known for that. Like to the to the character of each actor, like he will make sure everyone is like just perfect. I, I believe uh, when I was reading about Killers of the Flower, Flower Moon, he did something very similar, even with background extras, where you'd be like, okay here's the story I have for your character, like to that detail. And you just, it, you know, when you look at his films, it's like a painting and you just see every little bit of attention. Um, and I, yeah, I just, I thought the movie was really great. I loved all seeing all the uh, Sopranos actors in it. Of course, uh, Lorraine Bracco. Dr. Karen, M- Dr. Melfi. Yeah. <laughs> uh, poor spider gets his foot shot. I thought, you know, I love seeing uh, <laughs> like, yeah, Michael Imperioli in it. Um, Why do you study and pick you? <laughs> Yeah, I, I was kid. I was like that Leo meme from like a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where he's pointing at the TV, drinking the beer. That was me like every couple of minutes where I saw a Sopranos actor or some <laughs> other actor that just kind of I, I noticed. Um, but yeah, I obviously. Think 20, 20, Tony Sirico is in it too, isn't he? Paulie yeah, he's yeah, well, he's there at the beginning. Yeah, he's one of the old and gangsters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I actually missed that uh, that he was in it too. Uh, he's in the in the jail cell helping them make dinner or whatever. Yeah. I, I totally I didn't I didn't even notice that he's much much younger. Um well although not even that much younger. I think it was like only eight years before Sopranos came out, but it seems much, much younger. Uh his actors always seemed old like my whole life. So uh <laughs> but uh yeah, obviously a great movie. I have nothing really new to say. Maybe we'll save any good discussion there for a future uh I don't know, Scorsese watch series. It's fun to do that and and then you know, casino too. I love casino. What were you gonna say, oh, Simon? Yeah. Oh, I just, I'm trying to remember the movie. I just saw a movie the other day and it had Big Pussy in it. Um, I can't remember <laughs> the name of the movie, but he was really, really young. <laughs> oh, wow. Before yeah. he, and thin. 
<laughs> I can't even picture him being thin. Anyway, the actor that plays Big Pussy, he's in everything. You, you see he's him. in a lot, yeah. He was in Slumber Party Massacre 4, the uh, last oh. release. <laughs> of course he was. <laughs> uh, uh, other stuff I watched, I, I watched this, this was on the, kind of on my uh, movies that I really wanted to see back in like 2020 and, and missed. This was a Japanese film called Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes. Um, it's an interesting concept, this movie, because um, it's it was made during COVID, so it's very like no budget all shot in kind of the same apartment restaurant complex. And it's all kind of um, a lot of it's like one shots of, you know, guy handle camera going around. Um, but the story is about this young guy um, in uh, live. He lives just beside this little cafe restaurant. And um, he comes back to his room and sees that his monitors on his TV and it's himself talking. And he says, I'm, ta I'm talking to you from the future, but it's two minutes in the future. Um, and he tells him, go downstairs because that's where the TV feed is coming from. Or sorry, he's he tells him to go downstairs. He goes downstairs, goes to the kit, the the restaurant, and there's a TV set up there with like a streaming, and it's him, it's streaming his room, and he says he sees himself come up to the camera, and he's like, "Hey, I'm speaking to you two minutes in the future." And so the whole movie is based around this like two minute time loop, uh, from going to his room back to the kind of like the kitchen area. And then as the, as the movie kind of goes on, more characters kind of get introduced and it gets really crazy. Um, but at its heart, it's kind of like a little bit of like an indie rom-com sort of vibe. Um, yeah, I thought it was really smart, super fun. It reminded me a lot of like, um, like a community, an episode of community. It had that kind of logic, um, very kind of time, time loopy and, and really silly at the same time. Um, I laughed a bunch. Uh, yeah, and I think the director actually did a more serious film around this kind of a similar concept uh, a couple of years ago as well, too, or maybe last year. So I want to, uh, I'm I, I'm excited to check that movie out. I thought it was really fun, too. So, um, and I think it was only about like uh, 80 or 90 minutes long. So it's not a super long uh, movie by any means. Um, really enjoyed it. Uh, also, I've been watching more uh, Palestinian or Palestinian adjacent films. Uh, watched a documentary from 2011. Um uh, called uh, Five Broken Cameras. It was shot by a local uh, filmmaker there named uh, Imad uh, Burnett. Mm -hmm. And it's an interesting story because it's uh, him uh, who is uh, lives in this village uh, in Bilin, which was uh, kind of a town along the West Bank, along where new expansion is happening and new fence construction oh, is happening. Oh, that bullshit Israeli settlements on this and Palestinian so, land. <laughs> uh, yeah, the issue was that um, an expansion of the, the border would actually cut through the most of the uh, farmland that they that they use they they harvest uh, like olives and stuff and so they begin to protest so the film actually takes place with his first camera in 2005 and the film actually follows all these cameras that get destroyed through various ways up until i believe 2010 or 2011 and um it's a bit of a disturbing film too because you kind of see how the protests which are all non-violent based how they start off pretty small and mundane and how by the end things get more and more unhinged and more and more they face more and more violence and scrutiny um, there's characters that were introduced at the beginning of the movie that are, you know we see them, um, and then by the other, by the end, a few of them are killed or jailed, and it's really mm -hmm. depressing. And I, I I thought the movie was just incredibly like intimate and almost in an inappropriate way at times. We see some like domestic kind of strife between him and his wife related to his filmmaking, and I thought that stuff was just like really personal. Um, but I still really enjoyed it. I mean, um, it holds up obviously well based on what's going on, you know, with the conflicts happening in, in Gaza and, and you know, it's, and, and it's, still in the West Bank to this day as well, too. It's really heartbreaking, too, you know, because when I went to West Bank, too, you know, like the Palestinians I met and I was really fortunate, but they just they just they just met me and they they gave me they opened up everything. You know, they invited me to their family home. They made sure that I got a taxi ride safely back to West Bank at a good price. They took me to the mosque. They paid for all my food. They drove me around everywhere. I've never had anything like that. And like, they were just so grateful to meet me. And it, I mean, is this really heartbreaking when you hear what happened? Yeah. yeah. And uh, this movie did have some controversy though, because it was actually co-directed with an Israeli filmmaker and um, the, the government of Israel, even though this film is very obviously critical towards Israel and their, and their government, it, it was actually picked by them for their, like, I guess their Oscar international film selection. It was nominated for like a best documentary. And so that actually caused a lot of strife because, you know, they're like, this is our nomination. And it's a movie that's actually really critical of Israel, but they kind of co-opted it as their own um, production. And so that kind of pissed off a lot of people within Palestine that were involved in, in this movie and, and elsewhere. So um, not without its controversy, but I think the movie, though, uh, the subject matter of it as it is stands for itself. It's a really grueling, uh, you know, a portrait of 
you know, what people go through through protesting and how nonviolent protesting can still be pretty acrimonious. And um, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, the last film was um, documentary. I think it was on one of the BBC channels called Censored Voices. It's uh, kind of like that movie I mentioned, Tantura, where it's a bunch of old men are faced with kind of recordings of the past. In this case, it was right after the Six Day War. And so they, uh, during that time, they were interviewed and gave their like honest reactions. And so it's them listening the over this tape audio. And, um, you know, the stories are pretty horrifying. A lot of it's based around the fact that these were the, you know, the children of the, many of them had been young kids during the Holocaust or were the children of, of those who experienced that. And then, you know, they're kind of conflicted emotions. So, I mean, some of them are conflicted. Some of them are, are totally zealots and you see that side, but you also see some that, you know, were caught up in the conflict because I mean, a lot of it came from the the need to protect themselves. They were being attacked by Egypt and other countries. And there was a kind of huge nascent na nationalism that they bought into. And a lot of them saw, as we see in a lot of like war movies and narratives where you get caught up in the, 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 the buster and the glory. And, you know, it's easy to get seduced to that, even if you're critical of it and they get into it and they realize when they're there, like, what are they doing? They're just like busting into villages and they're causing misery and mass killings. And it's a lot of, you know, we're inflicting the same pain that we received kind of vibe. Um, I felt, I especially found the part near the end where they uh, liberate Jerusalem, which of course is, is, is described as one of the big victories of that war still is to this day, but they give their accounts where they're totally kind of whelmed by the experience and like they're portrayed as these big heroes and that they, they arrive there and broke into tears and they say like, that wasn't true at all. Like they were kind of just like, wow, we're, we went from, you know, busting up actual military forces in the desert to now in a village with innocent people and how they felt kind of like they they felt like shitty being there. Like they didn't deserve to be there when the villagers were trying to go on about their day. So um, have you read yeah, I uh, it was have very, you read, uh, very have you read Joe Sackle's Palestine comic books? Because uh, I was reading about this. I found about this the other day and he was like in Palestine in the early 90s and he did like a comic series based on his visit there in West Bank. I sent you a link for it. I thought you might find it interesting. Oh, yeah. I No, I haven't, I haven't seen it yet, but yeah, I'll have to check that out, certainly. Yeah, he's like um, molten so... American, I think. So. Oh, cool, cool. Actually, in the in the Five Broken Cameras, the guy's half Brazilian, so there's a big part where it takes place in 2010 during the World Cup, and they're all like gearing up. They're all wearing Brazilian stuff, and I'm like, oh, you poor souls, because that's when they got they lost that game in Germany, like 7-1, so I was like, they don't know what's coming <laughs> in that regard, but <laughs> I felt that, because now I was watching my wife, she's like, why? I was like wincing. I'm like, oh, because of the, the World Cup loss. She had no idea, obviously, but uh, <laughs> I thought that part was kind of funny. Uh, I, I watch a lot of their stuff, but I'll, I'll, I'll cap it at that too much already, so <laughs> I guess, uh, Curtis, I'll throw it to you. You watched a movie that's, you know, you're totally in love with right now, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I watched uh, The Iron Claw and I watched it in two segments because I, which was interesting because the, the tone shifts in the second half of the film. But I watched The Iron Claw, which just recently came out. And this is about, uh, it's an A24 film and it's about the Von Erich family. So they were a family of uh, wrestlers in the, uh, they had their heyday in the 70s and 80s before a bunch of tragedy kind of overtook them. So there was a lot of death and suicide and, um, uh, drug abuse in the family too and uh, Zach Efron in his best role he's playing uh, Kevin Von Erich kind of like the the leading brother and uh, really tragic what happens so the first half you kind of get you know the Technicolor heyday you see them all the 10 boys you know fighting off you know Ric Flair and <laughs> all these hammy 80s wrestling stars and then you see like a lot of the tragedies set in so the t there's really quite a tonal shift in the film but um yeah, I was I was really moved by about it. it's kind of a rumination on masculinity. So um, all the brothers are kind of domineered by dominated by their kind of uh, former wrestler dad, Fritz, and he's kind of this like uh, you know he's a former wrestler himself too, and he wants all his boys to be kind of uh, uh, you know you know be successful where he wasn't too but he pushes them so hard too and it leads to all these kind of this tragedy too and it's all about i think toxic masculinity and there's this beautiful scene at the end too i don't want to spoil too much because we'll probably have an episode on it at some point um but there's a scene at the end too where you know the main character he's he's watching his sons play and he's crying and then the sons come up to him and they're like why are you crying dad it's okay and then he's like oh i just miss having my brothers and they're like it's okay to cry cry dad everyone cries and i thought what a beautiful message for like you know young men and old men and uh just uh, really moved me because you know as someone who has two younger brothers and who has kind of you know a bit of a conservative dad i felt really involved in that uh film even though i don't really like wrestling that much so definitely something for a future episode i think but i i just watched the one movie this week uh so what did you watch simon 
Um, last last night we tried to watch the Mean Girls remake. <laughs> so apparently, it's a remake of it's it's a movie on the musical, which is yeah. Christina Fey's involved original. again too, isn't she? Yeah, well, she's got writing credit, but I don't know what I mean. What kind of credit you could take when you take the same lines from the original movie and just use them in the remake, and just add some add terrible songs to it? We we got about thirty minutes into it. Is it just god awful? I, I, I saw a clip on. I, was saying, I saw a clip on Twitter. There's I saw a clip on Twitter about it. It was like drunk at a party, and they're and like the, it was out of context, but like everyone was like ripping the. They're like, "What is this scene? It looks it's so bad." Like the the songs oh, were so bad. The songs are terrible. Um, yeah, I, I uh, in a similar vein, I tried watching Wonka about a week ago, and I was in a really <laughs> crappy mood. And it starts off with him singing. I'm like, nope, not doing this. Not having it. <laughs> I don't like musicals. So uh, I haven't watched really anything. There hasn't been anything exciting for me. We, I, Julie and I have, uh, we've been on a can, uh, cannibal hillbilly. Uh, yeah, you watched the Hill of Eyes, didn't you? Mutant oh, Marathon. Jesus, you watched uh, both. Start, the... start him on his Mondo journey. I'm going to watch Mondo <laughs> Kane next and so, Cannibal Faroe. <laughs> we watched uh, both of the Hills of Eyes remakes. We, oh, we nice. haven't, haven't dipped into the originals yet. And then we got uh, basically to to Wrong Turn 5 halfway <laughs> through that and oh, realized nice. that the, the quality dips with each one, but the dip in the quality in 5 and 6 is so bad that they're almost unwatchable so we kind of i we watched like half of five and half of six and realized there's no saving the series after that after that point but one through four are a good time so uh, did you watch that i've only seen the first one i think there, there's you your watch... highbrow movie selection from simon did you watch... <laughs> there was like a really good polish slasher movie i think that it's a cannibal movie too oh it's called nobody uh, sleeps in the woods i yeah, really like that one that's pretty good actually they made yeah. a sequel i think there's cannibals in that right <laughs> yes <laughs> i believe so. i believe so yeah that's um, so good it's one of my favorite genres, even uh, though yeah. I think it's because cannibalism to me is abhorrent. Like it's like the, the, it's the like natural crime you could commit. Like it's just so repulsive to me that that it makes for good horror. Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess better. zombies are like cannibals when you think of it. They're yeah, and, and, stuff. And, and you know, and that extends to the Hannibal movies and stuff. Is I, I really have a hard time watching those. So. Um, yeah, I don't have any really good solid movie recommendations or anybody out there. It's kind of a wasteland. Well, it's right it's, now. In, it's interesting with like cannibalism too because I was reading that like uh, Kuru. I think that's what you get when you because when you it, like beyond a moral perspective, if you actually eat human flesh, there's a risk of catching this like I think it's a protein oh, prion, or enzyme prions or whatever prions. Yeah, so you can get Kuru, and that's what happened in the South Pacific with uh, with some of the indigenous tribes there too. And you know they, it was a horrible disease yeah so actually you know but beyond the the moral and ethical limitations it's actually not good to eat human flesh too right so another reason not to eat it so <laughs> yeah there's no so, ethically grown human flesh unfortunately <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> no lab meat yet <laughs> yeah is there beyond I want, i'm waiting for that beyond meat human meat, uh, yeah, meat. I'll, I'll human edition that. yeah <laughs> <laughs> so we had a bit of uh I guess we had a bit of uh, news from this week and last week too. Uh, I'll just re go through my notes really quickly too. So, um, <laughs> dipshit uh, Piers Morgan <laughs> interviewed Werner Herzog on Barbie, and you know Piers Morgan's kind of an a douche. You know, he's always trying to he's a, he's an idiot who thinks he's smart, and he's always trying to like um, <laughs> stir the pot and like trying yeah. to get people to mix their words and things. So he interviewed Werner Herzog on what he thought of Barbie. And uh, Werner Herzog actually he watched he did watch in theaters he didn't watch Oppenheimer but he said could it be that the world of Barbie is sheer hell too but I mean you can kind of take it in different directions maybe it's like a depiction of a kind of hell maybe he just didn't like the movie but I mean Piers Morgan tried to spin it but you know Werner Herzog wasn't taking any of his shit so <laughs> I thought that was kind of interesting <laughs> good. too yeah oh, good. and uh, I heard that uh, Doug Bradley too he he played played the original uh, Pinhead the OG Pinhead and the original Hellraiser is up for reprising his character in possible adaptation of the Scarlet Gospels. So oh. he did an interview with Bloody Disgusting. And uh, the Scarlet Gospels is the uh, Clive Barker authored uh, book sequel to uh, The Hellbound Heart, which uh, was an inspiration for Hellraiser. Um, so that'd be really cool. I don't know. I think they were just 
talking about an interview, but I mean, I would, I would watch that because that was actually yeah. a, a book that I really enjoyed. Like <laughs> so, a Dr. Sleep like, scenario, this movie. Yeah. And well, Dr. Sleep was good too. Doug, so Doug, funny enough, Doug Bradley was in wrong turn six, so I could understand him looking for real work. That sounds about right. That sounds like something you started. <laughs> yeah. I pointed it out to Julie. I'm like, that's Doug Bradley. I bet and you I like they know. wanted him for Wrong Turn Three, and he's like, no, get wait till there's four more sequels, then I'll then I'll get on board. Yeah, because I was like, at the time, he wanted to be a real actor. Like, <laughs> does he like talk? Does Doug he use Bradley like the pinhead voice, talk. like in his other kind of adaptations? No, too? but he does kind of. He does use a little bit of a refined way of talking but he's basically the leader of all the cannibals hillbilly guys I, I had a dream hard. once where benedict cumberbatch played pinhead and that was actually kind of cool because he had the voice <laughs> where, you know that'd be kind of cool to see actually i think <laughs> i mean i'm cool i think that the latest pinhead was kind of cool that was a cool idea you know kind of they had a uh trans woman playing uh the pinhead and i think i actually really liked her her uh portrayal of pinhead but uh, i no, mean it'd be cool to see benedict too yeah. let's uh, see a danny devito pinhead, Danny DeVito pinhead. <laughs> tommy devito pinhead <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> well, yeah <laughs> i'm just imagining pesci saying the lines while he's uh all done up you, think I'm, you think i'm funny <laughs> yeah. you had a couple uh notes too didn't you john i think for the news yeah, I threw up some things. There's been a lot of stuff going on the last couple of weeks, but uh, recently it was the uh, Cesar Awards, the big French uh, film awards, and uh, a film, Anatomy of the Fall, won Best Picture, a movie that has had a lot of buzz over the last couple of months, a kind of a courtroom French uh, drama, drama comedy, I guess. Um, I've been wanting to check that one out, although I am still I still have to watch St. Omer, so I've been kind of wanting to watch that one first, but um, did has done very well in the awards circuit. There's been some rumors that it's going to... Uh, possibly get some oscar buzz too uh i do know the actress in anatomy of the fall i think her name is sandra sandra uller she was also in zone of interest and so she's having a huge year because i think she's nominated for a role uh, in zone of interest or she played Hedwig. so um i was i, I was gonna watch that after iron claw and i was still like so emotionally distraught after the iron claw i was like maybe i will not watch oh, yeah. <laughs> zone of interest i'll save for another night maybe tonight <laughs> Yeah, maybe watch it like, you know, commit your evening to it or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another news item, there was a rumor that Tom Cruise is wanting to pivot back to more like serious filmmaking. I think the idea is Tom Cruise wants his award now. You know, he wants his Oscar uh, finally. Uh, and then, of course, he can stop giving his money to Scientology and be a nice person. <laughs> yeah, well, news broke a day later that he's going to be in the new uh, Alejandro Inaritu film. So uh, we'll see. It seems like he wants to pivot back towards, uh, I mean, he's still involved in the mission possible films but he's you know getting up there so i think uh now that he's getting into his range where mortality is setting in possibly for even the most um invincible person of all time and in, in entertainment um you know i think he now is aware of his legacy and wants to you know get that much deserved oscar award um which is good because i think you know tom cruise in the last 10 15 years has kind of fully embraced being the big action star and he does it better than anybody uh but I think younger listeners who are listening might might forget that Tom Cruise is a fucking amazing actor and he started his career. He was going to be he was starring with like against opposite Paul Newman. Like he like he's a he's a talented Rick actor Man, yeah. who never got his Oscar award. He was nominated, though, uh, in his early career. And, uh, you know, there there is a part of, you know, other people, you know, who say like Tom Cruise worked with like you start with Paul Thomas Anderson. Like, where was where's that guy? And so I, I would love to see like a late kind of shift, a late career Tom Cruise you know, really, you know, portrayed these roles well and uh, in some great, you know, auteur releases as all these guys are getting older and kind of going away. So uh, that would be well, cool. The, the, uh, problem, the problem I have with him and actors of his like is I don't see him playing a character. I just see Tom Cruise, you know, it's not Tom Cruise. Yeah, it's hard to unsee Tom Cruise, you know. It's not, you know yeah, he's, he's not playing a character in there. It's just Tom Cruise. It's like when you see Keanu Reeves, you have so many pre, pre presumptions. Yeah. About, you, know, you can't just or unsee Johnny it. Johnny Depp now. Johnny Depp no longer disappears into a role. As, you know, yeah, he just disappears to France, you know, because that's uh, all ripple in place. They need, to, they, <laughs> they, need to do, they need to do a Willem Dafoe, you know, where they can just like go in any movie and still be recognized, but also kind of take on any role basically <laughs> right that's that's the real trick good old willem default you can always count on willem default <laughs> yeah it's interesting it's sort of like a, a baggage of cultural memory or you know the, the price of being a celebrity to that degree is that 
you you know no one can ever take you seriously it's like if at this point if taylor swift really wanted to pivot to being like a proper movie star it would be impossible because like everyone associates her with her music and her, and her stardom and the people she right. uh, dates that's not reported on tmz or whatever like all she, that she could be an eco activist but she has to get rid of her private jet <laughs> yeah yeah well, no. <laughs> <laughs> she's got to quit with the government conspiracy shit too so you know. oh that that's yeah oh man that's so funny yeah <laughs> that's great i i love uh, you know as a side i love that american conservatives have totally given up sports to liberals i, I find that really funny and fascinating <laughs> but uh, that's just me but uh yeah anyways uh, uh other news as well too i don't think i had much that might have actually just the, C- the caesar it. award i think the caesar thing i already i already mentioned that oh yeah but, uh, i think it was just the releases i think we too i mean we had dune coming out too, which is Dune pretty... part two. Yeah, yeah, I heard it's like, I heard it's like the Dead Part Strikes Back. So I mean, I'm really excited to see it, and I'm actually excited because you know, like I would, Zendaya was really hyped for the first movie, and she was in it for like 30 seconds. Yeah, so not actually, very she, long. Yeah, she's in this movie, and she had that kind of really weird, cool cy- cyborg outfit, I guess, for the awards ceremony. Yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't understand what's up with her. Like, she was in, she was in a couple of Euphoria, Spider-Man. I think. I, I I think What's she's okay. I didn't I didn't really like her in Euphoria to be honest, but I mean I'm gonna give her a chance for this one. Oh, you know, okay. Maybe. Why did she's she in a get new name? She's in yeah. a new Luca Guagadino film. Uh, it's oh. coming out soon. It's like a poly polyamory movie or something. The trailer was like her banging two guys, and everyone was like, "My, you have my attention." So I don't know what the movie's <laughs> called. I can't remember, but uh, uh, I don't think it's like that lurid or anything. I think it's more drama. Well, I don't know. It's Luca Guadagnino. It's a lot of his films are like that. You know. He loves teenagers having sex. What can I say? Make what you will of them. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't love Dune 1 that much, albeit I remember when I saw it. It was one of the first movies I saw back in the the big cine, cineplexes or multiplexes back during COVID. Um, so the it was like we were still under like lockdown restriction. It was all masked up. It's a you know thing, different time, I guess. But uh, um, I, I remember I, I took an edible and I the movie was so dry, all the Varakas is desert. And I just fell asleep. I almost fell asleep. I was like zoning out the last like hour yeah. and a half. So you mean, I, I are, told, you t- are you trying to tell me that Jason would... Momoa's pecs made you fall asleep? Yeah. Yeah. No comment. But <laughs> I will say pecs. that, uh, um, I, I told myself back then, if I ever watch Dune two, I'm going to have to revisit the first one before. And so I'm going to have to watch. Yeah. Dune my girlfriend said that too, but like she always falls asleep and it's like two half hour movies. So I don't know how we're going to do it before next weekend, you know, but it I'll, I'll, instead, I'm just going to pivot and watch my one of my favorite movies, which is the David Lynch Dune. So that's a better movie, anyway. Well, uh, yeah, like like I'm going to take that to my deathbed. Like, dude, oh, I, I didn't like that one, but I did like Sting in that I one. I love it, and I like I, I like yeah, uh, I love it too. It's a great movie. I, I will say, I liked uh, um, Sting. What's his name? The other guy, the Paul Atreides, was good in that one. Oh, David, Kyle Kyle I love Kyle McLaughlin. Yeah, someone Long said I looked like Kyle McLaughlin once. Someone said I looked like Kyle McLaughlin once, and it was like the best compliment I ever had. I was like, that's really I can nice. See that. what a gorgeous man (laughs) scottish there is another movie mentioned as well called about dry grasses yeah Uh, that's a turkish film um so there wasn't that much interesting stuff out this week but um this is about uh about a teacher who's accused of uh he's he lives in istanbul and he's sent to kind of eastern turkey to uh teach and then he's accused of inappropriate behavior by two female pupils and then one of the pupils is his protege um and then I think there's a whole bunch of like relationship complications and uh, just sounds really interesting, had really good reviews. So I was kind of keen on checking it out. And I'd, I haven't watched that many good Turkish films, so I thought it'd be kind of fun to watch more Turkish films. But it's been getting a lot of good reviews on the film cir- festival circuits and from the critics. So I might check that out. But that's okay. not too much out this week. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, I guess that brings us to uh, to Robin Hood, uh, the 2010 mm. Ridley Scott movie, um, based on the Robin Hood of folklore, folklore. You might have might have heard of them. You might be and, familiar with the Robin Hood baking goods or or the raisin brand. Is that Robin? No, that's not Robin Hood. But uh, and the no, guy Robin from, Hood's the baking brand. That's the the flower. The guy from Great Big Seas in it too, right? He plays like the troubadour in in uh, Robin Hood's. Oh crew. yeah, so cool. yeah. PanCon listeners, our Canadian audience, which is probably you know exclusively me and Curtis's friends, um, <laughs> and and Quinn's as well too, uh, will note uh, the character Alan Adale, who's a character from folklore from from robin hood of his one of his merry men uh yeah alan alan doyle of then great big c now solo playing him um if you're american you're like i don't give a fuck who's this guy canadian he's a huge big, big deal <laughs> canadian part of the newfoundland folk band folk oh, rock band. i mean if you great saw them if you saw them live in the naughties that was that was an experience i remember the whole theater was shaking they played all this newfoundland uh sea shanties it was a 
wonderful time to be alive. Thing. <laughs> yeah. And if you're Canadian, because of CanCon, CanCon laws, you've heard all their songs on the radio, uh, of course. Um, the song in this, the Blow, You Bully Boys, Blow, that was the song he did as well, too, uh, with, with Great Big C. Um, but yeah, uh, interesting, though, I was reading about, you know, why was he in this movie? Because I, I just saw his face in the cast, and I was kind of like, hey, it looks familiar. And I looked at the cast, and it was Alan Doyle. I was like, the Alan Doyle? Uh, it turns out that, um, and I saw two reports of this, that uh, he had actually, um, well, actually, he was a friend of Russell Crowe, um, who was involved in, in some of his music. Um, I guess they struck up a friendship, and I guess he met Ridley Scott when they were um, working on, um, I think, Russell Crowe, Scott Grimes, Kevin Durant, they were all working on Mystery Alaska, um, and so that's where... Um, Ridley Scott was introduced to Alan Doyle and he struck up a friendship with him too. So they actually, um, he was friends with both of them and Russell Crowe was the one who kind of convinced um, Ridley Scott to kind of cast him in the role. But it's kind of funny because I didn't know that uh, Alan Doyle also made some appearances on Republic of Doyle. It was like a Canadian show. And um, the character that played, um, what's his name? Uh, Will, Will Scarlet. Um, he, uh, Scott Grimes, he started in that show too, uh, uh, opposite him. So him and also the guy who played little John, Kevin Durant, they're actually like really good friends. They'd been friends for like a decade. And so there's an interview I saw where like, they're, they're saying, you know, you're married man. Like you have a good rapport. He's like, yeah, like we've been friends for well over 10 years. So I actually liked that part of the movie. The fact that you felt like the bond that they all had together, like there was a good, uh, rapport a sense of them. fellowship isn't there yeah, yeah. that's quite it really reminds me of lord of the rings a little bit i mean not kind of the same tone of lord of the rings quite but like i mean the the camaraderie of some it's kind of nice i was reminded also also a lot of uh, game of thrones this came out the same year or a year after i think a year before game mm -hmm. of thrones and there's like eight or nine people from like game of thrones in this movie there's like it's uh, like, the, it's, Von, like one, it's like that one it's like that one black black death you know like where they have sean bean and it's like every character from game of thrones basically yeah, a lot of these like British, British adjacent productions at this time, you know, you, especially the ones that are kind of like swashbuckling, you know, sword and sandal esque. There, you get a lot of these people in it. It's it's not unlike watching Goodfellas and being like, oh yeah, there's like nine people from The Sopranos in this movie. It's like, uh, you know, everyone kind of followed their the same the same uh, sort of movie, I suppose. And it's interesting um, too because if you don't know like the the medieval history during this time too, I mean, like you think, you know, this uh, Richard the Lionheart, and he's a bit of a an idiot in it too but i mean like you think he's gonna make it through the whole thing and then he dies and then king john and nobody likes king john but i mean like john king john doesn't really get any come up in so much in this film like he doesn't get killed or anything he's just kind of there this is um, like a prequel sort of series it's yeah. like it ends and now it's like robin hood is starting like the the, the proper proper legend yeah <laughs> yeah i mean this movie is what it's doing is it's already robin hood's already a folklore story but it's like what if we took Ridley Scott's gritty gladiator template that basically at this point Ridley Scott had done like three or four other times, you know, Kingdom of Heaven. Uh, it's almost like the same kind of sort of Shakespearean story structure uh, in a way and storytelling structure. And it's like, what if we applied it to Robin Hood? And so in this case, Robin Hood is instead uh, Robin, is it Robin Longstride? Yeah, he's like an archer in the in the English military uh, fighting with Richard Lionheart. Kind of funny though, because it's like, they're like, yeah, England, fuck the French. But, you know, they were all like French, they were all French, like royals, like Richard Cordillon and even King John and all them, the, the Aquatines, that was all French family. So the historical accuracy, I mean, you're more of an expert in this than I am, Curtis, but the historical accuracy in this movie is pretty terrible. It's not, it's, yeah, not it's, like, it's a gladiator. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What if Master Shake made an appearance in this? He kind of looks a little bit like Oscar Isaac in this somewhat. Uh could have worked. Uh, I, I also want to add in that really Scott was like, what if we had Robin Hood, but we had the big battles of Gladiator in Kingdom? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I actually like the first big battle in this. I thought it was pretty fun. Oh, to see. Battles, Any... battles I'm, of that I'm a sucker for castle sieges in movies. Like that's maybe my yeah. new thing. Well, when I, there's I, guys throwing the big rocks and the hot oil, and they're like, I mean, I'm a medievalist, but I have fun with these because I mean, I've had classes and like, I don't like Gladiator because it's not his. I mean, you don't watch it for the historical accuracy. You watch it because it's entertaining, you know. Mm -hmm. So like, I watch it in the same way I watch like Braveheart. And like, I don't think it's going to be historically accurate, but it it's entertaining. It's fun to watch, and I mean, the cinematography is always gorgeous with these movies. And I mean, I think the the character of of uh, you know. Robin Hood is is such a Rorschach test. It means so many things to so many different people. You know, whether you have a Marxist reading or a kind of a, you know, stealing from the rich and giving to the poor, or like a socialist reading. Like, ins, or if you're like a right wing mega guy, he's an yeah. insurgent <laughs> protester, uh, like those bad guys at Ferguson. Those, you're those like, crazy, all right, man, crazy, chill out. crazy Templar people. 
<laughs> but uh Jesus. Yeah. yeah so in this case it's the the typical russell crowe role i mean russell crowe is really playing the same character that he played in like four other movies you know he's uh um you know he's a former soldier who's now lost his kind of it's kind of like his his wars his war's gone away he doesn't have his war anymore he's a bit more sensitive than the rest of his peers you know he's tough but he's got an emotional size he's a little bit he's a little bit cultured too like we see him later in this movie speaking french and uh you know he's he's got something to him and some gravitas and um in this case uh the story is of course when richard the lionheart gets killed in battle uh they decide to um they they stumble upon a, a knight who's killed who had been transporting his crown. Um, on the side, we get Mark Strong, who I think this was like his third movie, right? With I love Scott, that guy. He was in he was in uh, Body of Lies. He was the um, um, the Jordanian uh, intelligence guy, and he's back now in this one. Oh too. right, yeah, yeah, he's really good. I, I like I like him too. He's awesome. What, is, what um, is his like? Is he actually? He's not Middle Eastern. Is he like his origin? No, like, he's like British or something. This was before yeah. he couldn't have gotten away with this shit. You know, well, he plays a French guy in this movie, I guess, but. But I said this in the time, but body lies the casting wouldn't work yet. Oscar Isaac as well play in like uh, Iraqi uh, doesn't doesn't work today. But uh, good. Oh, yeah, he's scumbag now. Prince John. Yeah. King John. Yeah. Yeah. A young Oscar Isaac. I mean, I feel like now he's he's older in a lot of his movies. Like he's, weird, uh, he's always kind of likable movies, but here he's like a scumbag here. So it just shows how different. Well, I mean, he's a scumbag in Ex Machina, too. But I mean, like it's uh, yeah, he... Jim Bro. <laughs> it's kind of a little funny bit of trivia because William Hurt plays William Marshall and he kind of has that a confrontation with him um uh william hurt actually played leto atreides in the dune series the 2000s and you know now oscar isaac plays leto atreides in the new films um so that's that's kind of a little bit funny of overlap there um but yeah so the story of course king richard's killed king prince john becomes king jong and prince john is we were introduced to him in the scene where he's absolutely like you know his cuck, cucking his wife she's listening at the keyhole while he's like sleeping with leah sadu or <laughs> it's like his mom is like girl like it's you gotta like go in there and um you know she goes in herself and of course what ends up happening is that he ends up annulling his marriage and marrying isabella and it's a very torrid we it's almost like a story that we don't actually see in this movie because you know gladiator gladiator focused so much on commodus and kind of his relationship uh with the gladiator and this movie it's like could have gone that way but it's like no we're gonna focus kind of solely on robin hood and his adventures and that but that character kind of is in that mold of commonest the kind of snot-nosed insolent brat uh mm. kind of character who thinks he's like the king and everyone should should love him but can't command the and it's kind of juxtaposed people with... unlike russell crowe who's who's the good virtuous man versus it's kind of like the different elements of masculinity woven yeah. in with 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 royalty right like with with um it's kind of uh, juxtaposed with richard lionheart too because he's kind of like often romanticized but he was a bit of an idiot and he wasn't even like acting as a king kind of thing he was off fighting in the holy wars and you know here he's kind of just seen as they're a little bit reckless like he dies after the the siege yeah. of the castle right <laughs> and it's, that's it's it. so funny too because in, in kingdom of heaven at the end uh, we're introduced to Richard Lionheart. He shows mm -hmm. up and he's like, do you want to come back with me? I've heard so many good things about you, Legolas, I'm going to call him that. And he's like, no, I'm I'm shacked up with, uh, what's her face, uh, Ava Green in, in the in the farmland now. I'm, I'm happy. I'm good. And he's like, all right. He strolls off. And this movie, it's like, uh, I guess like 10 years, I don't know how many years later, 10, 15 years later, Richard Lionheart's deep in battle and fighting and he's killed early in the movie. So kind of makes for, it would be kind of a funny double billing of like Richard Lionheart introduced and then quickly gone uh, early in both early and late in, or late and early in both films respectively um but anyways he goes to the goes to uh visit nottingham to deliver the 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 sword the well he goes first to visit the king and he's um, empowered there and so he decides to sail on to give uh the kind of word back to um the Luxley's family and that's where he meets um max von Sydow, who's uh, sir walter Luxley who's sort of the the kind of, I guess, the lord of, of Nottingham. And he also meets Ma Maid Marian, uh, played by Kate Blanchett, um, who my wife uh, observed, reminded her a lot of, like, Claire in Outlander. It's, like, the same kind of performance, like, uh, long, you know, long brunette hair, same kind of vibe, uh, slim, strong-featured woman. Um, I love Kate Blanchett. She's amazing, amazing actress. Uh, recently loved her in Tar, but... Uh, give some great gravitas to this role. I love this scene actually with her and Robin Hood, where he she invites him to the chamber and they're having that kind of little back and forth. Mm -hmm. I thought that was kind of funny. What's up, Simon? She's in, she's in the. Uh, I just saw a trailer for. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Borderlands, yeah. right? He's in it, and so I was like, "Oh, oh this wow. looks like a lot of fun." And I was on Reddit, and I'm reading the Reddit comments, and it was like, derper, 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 derper. "They made a Borderlands it's a, it's a woman. It's a woman. Fifty-three <laughs> years old playing a thirty-year-old cartoon. She character can't be sexy because she's forty-seven. They like, turned claptrap gay. Woke culture gone and buck. Shut the fuck up, okay? This is like the first fun movie I've seen a trailer Freaking for. Like, that were, <laughs> God forbid we can't have movies about like children, like video games. Don't like, you dare on, have man. a black person in a movie, John. That's. <laughs> uh, anyways, the full movie looks like a lot of fun. Sorry you did really, but I love. Well, it. no, I, I think Kate Blanchett. You know, she goodness on her. She wants to cash that check. She was in oh, she's a great actress. Yeah. movie, but not put in uh, everything. Don't think I made too much money. Wants to, uh, you know, got to got to secure that bag. Um, but yeah, I, I thought she was great in this movie. I love the scene where, you know, because they have to put on, on appearances. So for folks listening, uh, I'm getting off topic. I'm getting off track. But Robin Hood, uh, I guess Robin Long's stride in this movie is not really Robin Hood till the end. But they decide, OK, you're actually going to pretend to be uh, Robert Loxley and um, you know, we're going to kind of help everybody out. I, the the, the story a little bit goes a little bit weird direction because it starts off, as, as Simon was saying, it starts off like gladiator, big battles. And then for the good middle hour, it's sort of. A lot of character drama stuff. It's like Robin, uh, Robin Hood. I was called Robin Hood. Robin Hood pretending he's not Robin Hood, pretending to be someone else. And part of that, there's a scene where he's, you know, he has to keep up appearances like he's Marion's uh, husband, and she has to invite him to the chamber room. And that part was kind of funny, where she does like the fake curtsy or whatever. I thought that was funny. Uh, I love the dogs too. Uh, when he's laying by the fire, the big dog flops beside him and he gives him a big rub. <laughs> I mean, I it is do the same thing. I watched this one on th- in theaters when it came out. It was it as always, you know, with Ridley Scott. Even if you know his his lesser films or his more forgotten films, like they're always kind of fun to watch on the big screen. I think, and that makes it always kind of special. So I think that might have had an impact on how I I look back on it too. I think, sure. yeah, yeah. This was a big deal. This movie. This had been in a bit of development hell too for a while. I think it was like you know two thousand seven oh eight. He had been working on you know like a good year, and then later like American Gangster. Like this was. Around the time the movie was being made, but it ran into some issues. There was budget troubles. The uh, the writer's strike happened, of course, that delayed things by a good a good long while. Um, I think originally Ridley Scott wasn't supposed to direct, but he ended up getting involved. I think he had some influence from past Robin Hood. I mean, Robin Hood as a as a character has been in so many different types of movies. I mean, I'd be curious about our own experiences with Robin Hood because I'm not like a big Robin Hood head, but like I loved the Disney movie as a kid. Obviously, that was a big deal. Uh, I don't. Robin Hood, the, the the fox that many women find sexy, uh, the cartoon fox. I, I he's good. I love him. I love all of, even though Robin Hood is kind of yeah, that's like apparently a phenomenon. Like women find like the Robin Hood fox very attractive. Um, usually it's brought up as you know guys think oh women find like big tough brawny guys it's hot. A fur, no, a fur, a women want to fuck the Robin Hood fox. It's even, a furry you know, thing, it's, yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, but um, Robin Hood, the, the, the Disney Robin Hood's kind of funny because it's like all the assets are ripped off of Jungle Jungle Book. So it's like the same shots and kind of scenes are retouched up. Uh, like Fry yeah, Tuck the, is the, like the, blue. It's yeah. They they so they used to use like a rotoscoping. And yeah. They, I've, seen, I've seen scenes where they show the rotoscoping from both like side by side comparisons. Like, yeah, yeah, it's the same thing. They like they were they, they were I want to say lazy, but efficient <laughs> yeah it was a time it, at the time it was considered like groundbreaking because like I, we mentioned it with 101 dalmatians i think that was the first movie that they did it on and it made like the process of it because disney had also gone through financial trouble at the same time in the late 50s so like mm-hmm. they were running into kind of dire straits and it was a kind of a case of you know we don't have money but also look at this and yeah it's pretty credible but it also does kind of look a little shitty and that whole period of time from like the 60s to the basically to before the the new Disney Renaissance with the Little Mermaid. It was kind of that style of animation, and it's uh, efficient, but yeah, kind of has like a Hanna Barbera kind of quality to it a little bit. It feels very like uh, I don't know, ready made. As as a kid, I had the record uh, of uh, the Robin Hood soundtrack from the Disney one. I listened to that one all the time. It was really great. Oh. That's my, that's yeah, my that Robin Hood. A... Yeah, that's a, it's that's weird because I don't. I, I remember liking the Robin Hood. Disney film, but I don't remember anything about it. I remember yeah, him just same. like fucking with the the sheriff of Nottingham, which is always fun. Or <laughs> yeah, I remember the characters vaguely, but I'm not like a big Robin Hood like head. So like, I know like Friar Tuck yeah. and Little John and I like sheriff I like I like the Errol Flynn one too, and I just don't remember anything about the movie. You know? Yeah, that was the nineteen. I think the nineteen thirty year. But there was yeah. also I know growing up the big movie. My my dad had it on tape. I never watched it actually. Is the uh, the Prince of Thieves, Robin Hood? Prince oh yeah, of Thieves, uh, I think it's kind of like that's a good movie. I mean, yeah, good. 
It's a fun movie. And it's Mel, got Alan, Mel Brooks Alan or Rickman. Alan Rickman's in it. No, and... Mel Brooks was Robin Hood Men in Tights. <laughs> uh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, also yeah. a good movie though, which was I, kind I, of a satire I, of. Uh, yeah, uh, I hate that movie. movie. I never could make. I couldn't. It I couldn't get it. into There's... that one either. Yeah. But yeah. Maybe I have to rewatch it. <laughs> a lot of people like it though. I, yeah, I uh, guess I, I guess in the '90s there was a big like Robin Hood just like wave. I I, I grew up watching it was a, a Canadian right. cartoon production called Rocket Robin Hood that would play on like Teletoon uh, during their like retro blocks. Uh, it was kind of like a super best cool. friend, super friends, but with like Robin Hood. Um, I, I thought it was cool. a yeah, like a lot of Canadian cartoons. I thought everybody grew up watching it, and then I look up Wikipedia. It's like no, this was a Canadian production, probably only aired in 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 Canada. So. Um, known to me, but not to like a lot of other people. But uh, that was one I watched as a kid that I really enjoyed. It was like a Teletoon would do their would do their retro blocks where it was a bunch of old cartoons from like the you know sixties and seventies. That's where you'd see like Spider Man and all that. And I, I loved watching those kind of old old blocks. Um, so that was kind of my like intro. Like Robin Hood was that series, but um, yeah, obviously in this case, Robin Hood is yassified. He's given the gritty Ridley Scott treatment and. Uh, we get the even the characters we see all the merry men they're all just like it feels very like lord of the rings too at the same time they have that kind of like fellowship kind of banter um but they but they're all good they're all good spirits they robin hood's like yeah i'm gonna like take over this like this town basically and then they're just like yeah we're along for the ride you know we're your bros we're just gonna hang out with you um you know find yourself friends like the merry men robin hood had uh, I guess, um, but yeah, I think I think uh, one of the negatives. I don't want to be too harsh on this movie because I actually I think I kind of liked it. And I think we all kind of did too in a way. But I think the the movie itself, the story is a little bit. It has that Kingdom of Heaven problem where the story is kind of it's so dense and it's kind of convoluted. And it's weird because I think I watched this on Prime Video and it said it was like the, the the unrated director's cut or whatever. And I'm like, oh wow. And I still feel like I had a hard time really piecing together what was going on in the middle of the movie. I'm like, I'm like, I wonder what the theatrical yeah, like, cut was like. Yeah, like narrative like wise, I... it's it's kind of meanders a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, and uh, and a lot of it's around the conspiracy, like Godfrey and like the French military is so the French army is going to like invade, and there's that whole kind of angle. But um, the movie kind of puts that aside to focus more on Robin Hood and his relationship with like. Yeah, Marianne I just don't that. feel like it was a Robin Hood movie. I don't, I don't, I don't feel like he was rich stealing from the rich to give to the poor. Yeah, only one scenery does that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it was like all those other. Con- yeah. Game of Thrones crap. I don't even need my Robin Hood movie. Make it simple. Uh, that's Jeez, you know that can't carry the movie for me. And Russell Crowe is, I don't know, kind of unlikable at times. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Not this was at. This is later, later Russell Crowe. <laughs> Not yeah, earlier. he was at the time he was considered actually a little bit old, but I, I mean I think it looks okay. But um, this isn't like young gladiator Russell Crowe at this point. But uh, this was actually also the last Russell Crowe Ridley Scott movie after a big run of of their partnerships, and uh, I think they actually had a little bit of trouble on this movie together. So like that kind of hurt their, their their relationship i don't know where they stand now but um mm-hmm. you know th- this was kind of a little bit of an end of an era for ridley because this was like after gladiator he was on a big streak i mean he made other stuff like um hannibal and all that matchstick man but he was on a streak of like these like big epic movies involving russell crowe uh, even like american gangster in a way um you know these big budget movies they were so expensive and then after this movie, this movie did pretty well at the box office, it, it, but it wasn't like a huge, huge success relative to the budget. It was just such an expensive movie. Um, they didn't make a sequel. And, you know, he never really, uh, uh, really Scott never really went back to this. Well, I guess more recently he has with like, I guess, Napoleon this year. Um, but he's for a long period of time, you know, he did Prometheus. He kind of focused more on like sci-fi and stuff. He kind of moved away from uh, these kind of movies, which is funny because I think we so much associate Ridley Scott now with these kind of historical fantasy epic movies even though most of his career is quite varied we talked Delman louise we talked alien he's made a lot of interesting unique films and um i think it, while gladiator was his most critically and commercially like successful film it kind of was a bit of like a, a stinking albatross it kind of weighed him down i feel like he focused a lot on his historical epics and recreating that but um is capable of of more of more things um but I, I think this was a case where it felt a little bit bloated at this point, the kind of formula that he was on. Um, but I still loved seeing all the cast, even the Sheriff of Nottingham played by Matthew McFadden, who's uh, Tom in Succession. That was pretty funny. Um, 
my wife was getting annoyed because I kept pausing. She started to watch the movie at the end and I was pausing it and be like, look at this person. Look, and she was like, please like stop inundating me with this trivia. I'm like, sorry, I will watch the movie. I couldn't help myself. I was so excited. You know, I've been watching it by myself. And I was like, look at this person. Uh, but uh, yeah, the story goes on. Uh, they end up, they, King John finds out, oh crap, the French snuck around, betrayed me. They're going to come. And it, there's like a D-Day scene. <laughs> like the French soldiers are like, <laughs> geared up it's like you know 800 hours and it's like the fucking saving private ryan like the the warships land and they march very miserable you know i wouldn't want to be in big battle armor going through those ocean waves i feel like you'd get weighed down and drown pretty pretty easily um but uh yeah good battles otherwise i liked all the action in this movie um it was pretty solid um i kind of wish there was a little bit more of it in a way but at the same time it's not very faithful to robin hood like the narrative that we no one you know, it takes a lot of creative liberties and if if you're a medieval medievalist purist you know it's uh, it's not really historically accurate at all but i mean it's it's entertaining i suppose <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah but i i, I don't know i i actually came away like i went in this movie very negative as i said i think on the other pods i was like oh crap we're doing robin hood all yeah. i've seen is terrible reviews i kind of liked it i thought it was kind of fun i don't know it was like two and a half hours and kingdom of heaven i know a movie that you very much love I got a little bit sleepy at times. Kingdom of Heaven. <laughs> this movie, I did not get sleepy. It was bozo energy throughout. <laughs> um, a lot of dopey humor, like scenes with the merry men talking about, like, oh, I think the scene where uh, what's his face, um, uh, Will Scarlet's like, I haven't seen this many women to so few men uh, since I was near a nunnery or whatever. And I like kind of had a bit of a laugh there. There's a lot of weird musical cues where like they play like a little bit of like a little quirky like do 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 do, and I'm like. Okay, it kind of feels a little bit tonally odd in what should be a more serious kind of historical epic. Um, it felt like they were throwing a little bit of goofs here and there. Um, so it kind of feels a little kitschy, but I don't know. I, I kind of like the vibe of the movie. It was kind of fun. Um, I like the performances too. Great cast, obviously. But uh, yeah, it's it's a little bit kind of, it kind of washes over you, this movie. And it's so long, which is another kind of strike against it. It feels like it kind of, once he gets to um, Nottingham, the movie kind of, just sits back for like an hour and it's just kind of them hanging out and it's it's it, as other stuff kind of happens in the background but um as a result it kind of slows the pacing of the movie down quite a bit um which before then was pretty pretty uh pretty satisfying kind of again post um crusades kind of medieval fighting and sieging and again i mentioned i love sieging i love guys throwing big rocks <laughs> pouring hot oil <laughs> moats and shit like that uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Leia Sedur is really I like I I feel like I could picture her in like French medieval times. You know, like she she has that kind of energy, you know. Like I could see her as like a medieval queen or something, a princess. Yeah, she was like this is the era when she was young where all of her roles were like yeah. playing basically the same character. Basically the same like, medieval princess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, the like the like fret like the mistress character or whatever. Yeah. I mean she's pretty fun in it. Like not a whole lot of parts, but you know, yeah. there's the part where like the where um Oscar Isaac's mom is like telling her like if you actually want to be the queen, Fucking, like, yeah. you speak up to him. And I kind of like would have liked to see a movie that kind of focused a little bit more on that stuff too because I thought mm. it was pretty good. It feels um, like sometimes like it, he's doing like more than one movie in one kind of thing. That, yeah, that's that. I find that with a lot of even his well received movies like Gladiator was the same way. Gladiator is a movie that people absolutely love and I like it, but it kind of it's it's so big swashbuckling and then at the end it's like we got to do all the Shakespearean drama stuff and it kill off like, like ten of the characters. <laughs> Yeah, and then you watch it, you're kind of like, I don't know if it totally matches. Like this, it feels a bit stuffed. Yeah. What about you? And, <laughs> and then Ridley Scott's like, No, 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 no. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. I made a director's cut. It's coming out on DVD next and year. I don't made, worry. I made a sequel. Sequel's I'm, coming out. So you'll have all your answers. I, I, I fixed it. The director's cut. Director's cut. And I'm like, I, I get it. And he does good director's cuts, but I'm also kind of like, I'm not inclined to watch like a three-hour director's cut if I can. I'd rather watch the theatrical. And we ran into this issue with Kingdom of Heaven, which is, I, I think, fair enough is a case where the director's cut absolutely did fix the movie and a lot of the story elements which are just incomprehensible in kingdom of heaven but it's like it's a very long movie already and then the director's cut is like even longer and uh, when we're gonna watch it for the podcast i'm like curtis i can't do it's like three and a half hours so it's like i'm it's like i'm watching, watching you guys again. It's, it's a long movie but i might watch it again at some point and i'll watch the full one but um yeah, I don't know if I could watch Killers of the Flower Moon. I loved it, but I don't know if I could watch this. It's too much genocide and pain. I don't know if I could do that again. <laughs> well, we when great, we re I don't know great if I movie. when I rewatched it just recently. Um, well, it's interesting. I watched it and I thought, man, I want to watch this movie again immediately. 
Um, and I watched it again just recently with with Matt. It was on it's on Apple TV Plus. I still loved it. I thought it was so good. I could watch it right now. I think it's like I, I but maybe we'll save it for a Scorsese talk. I think it might be like a top five Scorsese movie. Like I think it's so good. I because just watching Goodfellas, I was kind of like, is Goodfellas way better than Killers of the Flower Moon? Probably, maybe, but I don't know. So I don't know. I, I would love to have that conversation because I really like Killers of the Flower Moon, but uh, that's just me. Um, but uh, yeah, anything else to mention about Robin Hood? I mean, that's folks, everything for me. Yeah, it's a good movie. I think we're pretty much aligned that it's fine. I think Simon didn't who watched it Simon, before, Simon didn't like kind it of watched over him, <laughs> kind of kind of plain. What but, did you? Uh, what what did? Well, in terms of ratings, what did you give it, Simon, out of five? Ah. Uh, I want to give it two and a half, but I feel like it deserves three, so I'll be generous and give it a three. Okay. What did you give like it? Right what did you think, John? Yeah, I gave it a three. It's it's an overlong, stuffy, really Scott historical epic. Uh, unlike the other ones, I actually found this one pretty watchable and fun and silly, and it clicked along for me. I, I didn't really get all that bored. Even the parts where it was kind of slower, I still enjoyed, you know, listening to you know Alan Doyle's guitar and all the songs they were singing. I, I love that kind of vibe the, with the, the parts where it is like a Robin Hood hangout movie. And then the big swashbuckling stuff, the big historical epic stuff, um, I still thought was fun. It, it did feel like there was a lot of bloat. And like even like the character of Sheriff of Nottingham, I think originally his character was supposed to be kind of like mixed with Robin Hood. Like this, this film had a lot of rewrites. Yeah. It felt like they just threw that in. You can feel the script doctor the treatment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really chopped up. And, uh, but I think the performances are otherwise pretty fine. I think Russell Crowe is a good actor. And so is Kate Blanchett. And there's some good performances. It'd be nice. It'd be nice. I hope like Russell Crowe gets another chance to be in a really Scott movie. Cause I, he hasn't been in one in a while. And it'd be nice to see him maybe one last time. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I I gave it a three out of five. I thought I thought it's pretty good. What what about you, Curtis? I gave it three point five out of five. So I mean, I'm kind of recalling it from memory when I watched it in theaters. But I mean, it's still like I don't remember much about the movie itself. But I remember you know just the entertainment value of it and um, just the recreation. Again, you know, like in terms of medieval history accuracy, it's it's not one you go to. Um, but I mean. Yeah, Russell Crowe plays an interesting Robin Hood. He's not like the nicest Robin Hood, but I mean, it's kind of a more complex character. And I did enjoy kind of Alan Dole in the uh, the troop and uh, Oscar Isaac. I forgot it was Oscar Isaac playing Slimebag King John, but uh, yeah, kind of fun performances all around and kind of fun to see like a proto Game of Thrones cast too. Yeah. It's like a, this movie is like a proto Game of Thrones. Like that's sort yeah. of why I liked it so much. It was like, oh, this is just Game of Thrones. It's just like, guys wearing big furry like armor and like walking around and it's all all it's all desaturated like visually this movie kind of sucks it's like so underlit but it kind of has that you know that desaturated look it has a kind of like hbo it has that kind of like hbo kind of look to it it kind of reminded me of like you know especially game of thrones the last season i mean you can turn up your fucking brightness settings your TV, yeah folks. <laughs> turn up the brightness HDR, it'll still be set, dark it'll still be dark it's it <laughs> pretty muddled yeah but uh yeah i liked it for that reason too it was kind of it kind of feel like this was sort of setting the stage for for game of thrones in a way um yeah but it is it's also kind of the last of the 2000s kind of epic movies it, this was 2010 Prometheus, yeah <laughs> yeah like ridley scott would pivot and, and just entertainment generally i feel like this was around the time when you know we are transitioning less from 300 million dollar historical epics to spider-man 5 you know like we were transitioning to like all the marvel stuff that kind of took over this kind of blockbuster filmmaking um, so in a way it's kind of like a swan song movie. I kind of like that. And I love the, the credit scene with the artwork. That was kind of cool. Uh, I thought that was, uh, that was pretty fun. I mean, it's uh, pretty, you know, not, not too bad in retrospect. I've been pretty middling in terms of rating, but I think in terms of his body of work, I mean, it's better than we remember. And I mean, 3.16 out of five, that ain't bad, you know? So <laughs> if you like your Robin hood, you know, definitely yeah, worth well, looking into. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'll, I'll check. He's not the furry here. Robin hood, but I mean, like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think looking at my uh my my rankings, I've got this ahead of I probably put this at maybe around the same range as like White Squall Matchstick Man. I kind of have it in that range uh, of movies, um, and I, I think that's probably fair. It's good, and I feel like a good chunk of Ridley Scott's movies are are pretty are pretty enjoyable, um, even the ones that uh, are kind of lesser lesser known. Um, but uh, yeah, pretty pretty decent all around. Um, the next Ridley Scott movie, though, as we were saying, is going to be Prometheus. Which... Yeah, that's that's coming next week. And then we have yeah, my... Guys, I haven't seen it, so I'm excited to check it out. <laughs> I, I love it. I, maybe you'll hate it. I know Simon's not super keen, but I'm a big Prometheus fan. And I was talking to a colleague at my uh, conference I organized 
early this week, and he's based in Cologne in Germany, and he's Turkish-German, and he's interested in coming on to Burak, so uh, that'll be kind of fun. And uh, yeah, then after the week after, we'll be doing my next Canon pick, which I changed to the Iron Claw. I was going to do the Grizzlies, but I'm so obsessed with the Iron Claw, and I'm so keen to talk about it. I'm going to try bringing a few wrestling buddies, too, from Ottawa, so that'll be kind of fun, so do check that out. Cool, cool. Uh, did you still did you still want to do the Grizzlies or should yeah we, I still uh, want to do Grizzlies for yeah day? I always all want right. to do Grizzlies yeah <laughs> all right we'll do we'll do Grizzlies then um I think I mentioned before we got our we got our first uh actors making or actors doing film or actors making movies I don't know what I want to call the series but you know actors who are more, most known in the in the realm of acting who once in a while made a movie I think I I said we would disregard like Cassavetes Eastwood who are filmmakers in their own right well known filmmakers but you know guys who made maybe one or two movies that never really had much of a film career but kind of interesting otherwise and the most famous case of this the great actor charles lawton who made his one movie night of the hunter and it's considered one of the best movies oh, of all great time movie, so yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna do something right do it do it once and do it right and so that's what he did so we'll talk about that at some point i was thinking about picking up the the blu-ray criterion real i don't know if that's the best release to get because I, I i think there's just a new kino 4k so um, I was going to pick up the new release and, and maybe give it a watch. So, um, but yeah, that, that'll come at some point soon. Um, yeah, I guess otherwise um, on my end, I'll mention, I don't mention it all the time on the show, but uh, domestic pints only my other podcast uh, been doing some episodes with Tom. I think me and Tom were in Winnipeg soon. We're going to try to maybe report Wait, that's, something that's live. Next month. That's next month, right? Or is that this month? Uh, that's like, next month. Yeah. It's almost, okay. almost March, a month yeah. from now. So uh that'll yeah i'm drop. i'm going to be in sweden next draw. month so i might do an episode from try and do it bring my laptop for an episode <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah that'd be fun so uh i would just give that a plug as well um anything to mention uh from you guys too i think that's everything for me so yeah nothing, nothing for me cool all right stay well, tuned <laughs> yeah i guess i guess we can close that curse you you introduced us do you want to take us out yeah yeah so thanks for tuning in folks and uh looking forward to seeing you for prometheus and figuring out we why we were wrong <laughs> next week and uh stay tuned <laughs> take care All right, bye